Well, good morning, my friends. This is podcast number 505, well on our way to the next 500 podcasts. Uh, This is for Thursday the 17th. Grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Revelation. We're going to look at our memory verse here in just a moment, but let me pray for us. Lord, I ask you to open our eyes, enhance our understanding, so that we can grasp what you want us to learn today. I also ask you to enable us by your spirit to apply the truths we learn today to our daily lives and to be guided moment by moment by your word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Grab your Bibles, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3, our memory verse. (coughs) Excuse me. Blessed, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. There's those three blessings. Blessed is he who reads it aloud. Blessed is he who hears it. Blessed is he who keeps what is written for the time is near. And and remember when we talk about near, that word means uh, um, in relationship to God's timing, not our timing, in his providence and his timing and his uh, perfection. He has a plan for everything. Remember in Galatians 4, 4 says that the fullness of time, uh, God sent his son. And so in perfect time, even though God's not bound by time, he's a God of perfect timing. So we're going to try to look at uh, two verses in Revelation chapter 2. We're looking at uh, another church this morning. We're looking at the church of Thyatira. So this would be what our fourth church of the seven. We'll look at verses 18 and 19 and try to unpack those today. And remember, what we're trying to do is not a scholarly look at the book of Revelation. What we're trying to do is kind of a just a pastoral the, uh, theology here. What does this do to us as we read it? What did it do for them first? And what does it do for us as we read it? One of the things I pray that it does is helps us to get a clearer understanding of who Christ is. Tomorrow, what I want to do is actually go through... Um, the seven things that Jesus reveals about himself, one to each church, and how that relates to us. And so we'll finish Friday with that. Um, Again, I'm not in a hurry to get through the book of Revelation. Uh, Verse 18, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed your first. What a great testimony to this church. <clears throat> so first of all, again, the angel of the uh, of the church, I believe it's the pastor. Some believe it's a messenger. Um, this is not something to split and divide over theologically, but um, just um, in, 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 my, in my understanding of this, uh, and I believe it, it, it bears witness that this is the pastor. Now, Thyatira, this is the longest and most difficult of the letters. It was a military city. In this city, trade guilds uh, forced membership, and this forced membership um, meant you either joined or your business would fail. And each of the guilds had its own patron deity and ways of celebrating in idolatry. It was uh, a difficult place. Thyatira was located about halfway between Pergamum and Sardis and had been under Roman rule for centuries. 
Um, the city was a thriving commercial center and its primary industries were wool and dye, but it also had an industry in brass. Um, Thyatira, the word means uh, unweary sacrifice. Unweary sacrifice. And as we'll see, there's quite a bit of sacrifice that has taken place. Now, let's turn to Acts chapter 16. Right after the book of John and before the book of Romans is the book of Acts. Um, Acts chapter 16, verses 14 and 15, talking about a conversion that took place in uh, Philippi uh, that had something to do with Thyatira. It says, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to, to pay attention to what Paul, uh, what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well. She urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Now she lived in Philippi at this point, but she had a, a thriving business and her and her household accepted the words of Paul. Uh, she was a worshiper of God. Notice that, but she didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ until she met with Paul and sat under his teaching. Thyatira, although it's a it's a church mentioned in in um, Revelation, there's no book of Thyatira. So these seven churches, God had a reason for choosing each and every one. Remember, there's no letter to the Colossians in uh, uh, in Revelation, but there's a letter to the church at Colossae in the New Testament. Um, and so we have, there's different reasons. We just have to understand. We have to trust God. He knows what he was, what he is doing. Now, um, Jesus reveals himself in verse 18 as the son of God. First time he's used this title in the churches. It's a title of deity. Uh, and whenever Jesus claimed to be the son of God, his Jewish, his Jewish contemporaries fully understood that, that he was making an unqualified claim to be God. And that was blasphemy. So how would how would they respond to it? Let's look at John chapter five. <clears throat> John chapter five, verse fifteen. Jesus has healed the man at the pool of Bethesda. It turns out it's on the Sabbath. That's a no no um, for the Jews. Verse fifteen. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him, and this. Uh, was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing things on the Sabbath, but not just things, by the way, he was doing healings and forgiving sins because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But, verse 17, Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. Verse 18, and this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his father, making himself equal with God. Remember, the Jews wouldn't even mention the name of God. They wouldn't even mention uh, his name. And so they came up with um, an acronym for it. Uh, um, and they wouldn't even mention it. And here Jesus is doing healings on the Sabbath and also calling God his father. They didn't do that. They didn't call, God was tra uh, transcendent. He wasn't eminent. He was a way out there. He wasn't close by. Even the, only the high priest was able to go into the presence of God in that once a year on the day of atonement and only after offering sacrifices for his sin. Um, let's look at John chapter eight. 
familiar portion of scripture where Jesus uh, makes a, a powerful statement that just uh, that, that they want to kill him for. Uh, verse 56 of chapter 8 says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to him, to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And he mentions that I am. And, and you think, well, that's no big deal. Really? Look at the next verse. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Why would they pick up stones to throw at him? Because in using that term, I am, he was saying, I'm God. And in saying that Abraham longed to see my day and rejoiced in it, he's saying that he was before Abraham, yet he was only about 30 years old at this time. How could that be? Jesus always was and always will be, and they they understood it, then that's why they took up stones to kill him. Now, in John chapter 19, where Jesus is standing before Pilate, and the decision is finally made to crucify him, look at John chapter 19 and verse 7. The Jews answered him, Pilate, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, Jesus ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. He's proclaimed himself. There are literally pastors and evangelists I've heard on TV who say that Jesus didn't know who he was, and yet the Jews wanted to kill him because he said he was the Son of God. All you have to do is look at the scripture and understand that Jesus knew exactly who he was. Now, verse 18 goes on to say, his eyes are like a flame of fire. Christ has penetrating scrutiny and sees all things as they truly are, something he will demonstrate at the future judgment. He demonstrates it now. He knows all things, but he knows uh, one day when we stand before him, all of this will be seen. So he, in this in this verse here, in, in verse 18, he's showing himself to be uh, uh, the deity and the son of God, and also the one who sees all things. He's, he, he, nothing is hidden from his sight. Let's turn to a couple of scriptures in Corinthians. First of all, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and when we look at these verses, I want you to look at them um, as, as future, what's going to happen. Um, in this uh, chapter, we're talking about divisions in the church and G uh, uh, Paul's dealing with uh, these divisions and people are saying, well, I'm of Apollos and I'm of Paul. And, and he gets it down here to verse 11. He says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He says, listen, the foundation we build upon, 1 Corinthians 3 here, verse 11, is not our own works. It's not the works of Paul. It's not the works of Apollos. It's not the works of other people. It's the works of Christ. It's the foundation of Jesus Christ. Verse 12. Now, because we know verse 11, now there's a connecting verse. If anyone builds on the foundations with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day. We'll disclose it at the, the judgment because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on this foundation survives, it will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, it will, be, it will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Salvation is not the question here. It's the works we have done once we become a Christian. And whether they will last 
uh, or whether they will not. If they last, they receive a reward. If they do not, they will not receive a reward, but you will not lose your salvation. Looking ahead, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. So in 1 Corinthians 3 there, we see what we're doing now will be judged later. And where will it be judged? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Again, the good or evil is the work and the attitude in which we did it, and the reason for what we did it. Um, but these are believers who will stand before the, the Bema seat and the judgment seat of Christ. Now let's go on. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. This, this just doesn't seem to fit, but you'll see how it fits here in a moment. Uh, this says, then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. Uh, the one sitting on it is called faithful and true. This is Christ. And in his righteousness, in righteousness, he judges. He's a righteous judge. That's under, uh, important under, under, underline it. And he makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, just like we read in Revelation 2. And on his head are many diadems or crowns. And he has a name written no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name by which he is called is the word of God. So we see this, this ultimate judge at the end of time is going to come and he's going to judge mankind. The Christians are gone. The church is gone, I should say. Uh, there will be people who will come through the tribulation who will accept Christ, but it will be a completely different way. They're going to go giving their lives uh for what they believe. They're going to recognize Christ for who he is, even though they missed it. And they're going to come through um, this tribulation period. But there's going to be a judgment at the end on the on on those um, through the tribulation, but also who those who did not accept Christ and refused Christ. But for you and I, we need to understand that the judgment that Jesus has on your life and my life is just. It's righteous. It's fair. That's a word we like to use all the time. Well, this isn't fair. With Christ, everything is fair. With Christ, everything is fair. And his judgment his honest, is honest and his judgment is true. Turn back to Revelation uh, uh, chapter 1 and verse 14. It says, uh, his eyes are like a flame of fire, but it also says his feet are like burnished bronze. Let's look at verse 15 of chapter 1. It says, His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. Um, the polished brass feet may symbolize divine judgment, and fire consumed sin offerings on the bronze altar. Uh, Thyatira also, be, be, beyond the wool and the dyed colors, uh, also had uh, was famous for its bronze as well. But Jesus says, uh, I'm the most polished bronze and I'm the perfect bronze. I, uh, what John saw was this perfection, not this temporary work that the, the people in the city had done, but he is the finished work of, of Christ. Um, and then he says, I know your works. Listen to this. This is amazing. He says, I know your works. Your love and faith and service and patient endurance. Christ is aware of everything that you and I have done and will do. Look at verse 14 of this chapter 1. It says, the, the hairs of his head 
uh, were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And here we see this flame of fire again. This is the, the omniscience of God. And it's, and it's applied to Christ here. Why? Because Christ is God. He sees all things. And he says in that verse, in verse 18, that I know, uh, verse 19, I know your works, your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. And turn to chapter 2, verse 19, because at the end of that verse, there's something pretty powerful too. It says, and that your latter works exceed your first. Remember in the, to, uh, the church of Ephesians says you've left your first love. Repent and return and do your first works again. The church of Thyatira, their latter works were better than their first works. So they were patient. They were loving. They were kind. And Jesus knew everything that they were doing. Now, turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. We're going we're gonna to close with these scriptures. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. A verse we use all the time. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Let that sink in for a moment. We talk about the power of the word of God, but what does the word of God do? It gets to the root of all things, including the intentions of the heart. Verse 13 is tied to 12, and we need to realize that in context. And no creature and there's that connecting word. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So no creature is hidden from the sight of God. You can't just go into the darkness and do things and think God doesn't see it. No creature is hidden from his sight and everything is naked and exposed. And one day we will give an account. But look what continues on in this, in this section. He says, since then, since then, all of these things above, since we know these things, since we know that there's a rest uh, that still is available to us, since we know that the word of God is powerful, since we know we will all give an account, since then, we have a, high, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, there's that term again, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. Since then, because we know these things that are above, because we know that the word of God is sharp and powerful and it does its work, because we know that he knows all things and nobody is hidden from his side and everything is laid naked and bare before him. And since we're going to stand before him, he says, listen, listen, we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, the great high priest who was tempted in all ways like us yet without sin. So come boldly to the throne of grace to receive your help in time of need. What a beautiful portion of scripture. What a beautiful thing Jesus reveals to us in this portion. And let's close in prayer. In the second Peter chapter three, verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That has to be our daily goal, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him and him alone be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you. Till we talk again.